is expecting you. Welcome to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 3, Episode 7, The Runaway. Joining me today, as always, I have Corey. Hello, Corey. Hello. So, we're into uh, The Runaway, so why don't we kick things off as we always do with our initial thoughts on this episode. Corey, go ahead. It was a very unremarkable episode, but I'm, I don't really want to confuse that as being a, a negative or anything. Uh, um, it was standard TV. It didn't reinvent the wheel. Um, it didn't do anything wrong, per se. Watchable um, compared to last week's episode, which was pretty much near perfect. I thought it was a step back. But, you, but the thing is, in TV, you need stuff like this. So I'm upset about it. It's not an episode I... Un- I didn't enjoy, like, here's, what's very telling is, I forgot a lot of what happened in this episode, and when I was rewatching, I'm like, oh yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened, so that alone should tell you everything you need to know. Um, very unremarkable, but, you know, watchable, and something I'm not upset I had to read. Yeah, I don't know, I, I... I don't think I remembered this episode particularly fondly, and and this in general, I, I I have my issues here. It just it's a very unremarkable episode. I think you're right. I think this is this is one of the few sort of very filler heavy episodes in in the series, and that's you know it is what it is. It's not it's not the worst thing ever. We're not you know I'm not saying oh it completely ruins the, um, the show or anything like that. But I, I do have some issues here. It, it definitely, like, feels very unremarkable. It feels like the kind of episode you can completely remove. And it kind of feels like the culmination of a of an arc that didn't happen, which is kind of weird. Um, I know that in the previously on, they, they sort of hint at, well, it's connecting to, um, what, was the, what is the episode called? The Chase. Um when when Toph first joins the group and they're all tired. Um, yeah, it's definitely called The Chase. Um, and, like, trying to call back to that, but I, I, that was, like, almost a full season ago, so it's weird to, like, have, like, like a full season. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a this is a callback to that conflict, which is a little weird. Um I don't know. Let's let's just get right into our initial thoughts. Luckily today we only are with the gang, so we don't have to do any uh, jumping between two different stories or, or anything like that. We can kind of focus in on exactly the 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 whole the whole episode at once, which I think is nice. Um, did you get? I, I got a very like sitcommy feel to this episode. Did you? Do you? Do sure. you understand what I'm saying? You you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Like, I, I, it felt very much like, the oh, this is the family, and oh, the family is having the, kind of having their struggles, um, and and that kind of thing. I, I, I do, um, another thing is, just right at the beginning, do you, do you, have we, I don't think Avatar's never done this before, right? The, the previously on setup, or not the previously on, like the, the flash forward with like the show the climactic scene at the start of the episode and then like flashback i don't that's never i don't think it's ever happened in the series right uh, they have I, I can't name you the episode on the top of my head but it's familiar in my opinion i, at least I, I don't think. think so no i, mean, I it's familiar in a lot of other shows I mean, this is a very common no film. but it, it, i've seen it in avatar on some of the other but this is not the episode to do it 
my opinion, which is funny. But, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't I don't think it. I, I, a, I don't love this setup in general. I think that it's always like, oh, you're gonna show this kind of super crazy scene that no one understands why, but of course you're missing the context for the scene. But actually, you're not missing the context for the scene. And I, I don't. I, I think it's like a very passe um, framing device that, like, I feel like a we've seen a, a lot of times on other like other types of media, and two. I don't think it makes this episode particularly, like, it's not like this is a, I think what you're saying, like, it's not the episode to do it. Like, there's no, like, dramatic tension in this episode building up to, like, ooh, what could possibly be the thing that causes Qatar to, like, turn on top or something? Like, there's no, right. like, it's like, oh, well, immediately we find out that she starts scanning people, and it's like, oh, I, I guess that's the reason. I, I and I think, and, and it was done obviously for the purpose of the story, but everything was dialed up to eleven. Like, yes, Katara acts like a mom. It's been done throughout this, but they really made it heavy-handed this they episode. Were very, and, yeah, they were very on the nose. Like, yeah, and it, I mean, I get it. I'm not like I, I understand why they had to dial it up to eleven, or else this episode wouldn't make as much. But at the same time, I, I don't attribute that to good writing. I think there's just a lazy way of writing. Yeah, I don't. I actually very much don't like it. I think this show at times excels in the show don't tell, in the let us you know know things. And I, I luckily the at least the things in this particular episode that they were trying to sell us on, especially the Katara mothering thing, we have seen that throughout this entire show. But. The dynamic in this episode was turned up too far, I think, and and kind of for for no reason. Um, like th- this jumps ahead, but like the random line where Katara's like, "Dang, do I act motherly?" and then she throws in like the sit up straight or something. Like it was just like, yeah, okay. that's a little like it was. They are yes, fundamentally yes. Katara is the mom of the group, and and the the, the mothering of Katara is a is a thing that we've. We've talked about before. It's a thing that is is a part, a fundamental part of the show, and and I think a fundamental part of Katara's character. And even the one really positive scene in this in this episode with Sokka talking to Toph plays into that. It just I don't know. It went it went so on the nose for me that it was like um, now you're not really yeah. acting like uh. people. Like Katara, like one of the things that makes Katara for me such a great character is the fact that she is at the same time a 14 year old who is clearly very young who clearly doesn't have she's not a gristled um she hasn't you know doesn't have that much experience in the world and yet she's also dealing with this crazy loss of childhood that comes from losing one parent and having another parent going off to war so it creates this it's really great character this really great character dynamic where on one hand katara can be extremely idealistic and sort of go out of her way to help people but but feel that it, it, all we have to do is for example in imprisoned at the very start like i just have to give these earthbenders a little push and then they will help themselves and it's a it's a very you know it's a great thing but it's a very idealistic almost not naive view of the world but like the kind of view that that you have from youth and you juxtapose right. those two things and it's great and in this episode it's like she just started acting like like a really annoying really like older mom and it's like that's not to me that is the missing the point of the mothering nature of katara like she's not supposed to be like actually your mom she's supposed to be the one who's looking out for you that you know 
the way Sokka says it, that you can think of her that way deep down. Right, and on the flip side, we got Toph, who was brought up to 11 on Rebelli, like, you can't tell me what to do. And, like, yes, you've... It's not that out of character, but I think it was still, again, like, a little on the if that makes any sense to you, so... Well, I don't I think, know. I well, one thing on, on that note that I think is, is interesting is... Toph's, like, weird obsession in, with money in this episode... I think is very bizarre because Toph comes from this really rich family and on some level was explicitly rejecting the wealthy, prissy lifestyle. And I know that in theory, she's, she's not doing it for the money. She's doing it for, um, you know, for the rebellion and, and, and nature of it. And she kind of just gives some to Sokka to prove a point. But I almost like kind of wish Toph like one like, almost didn't do it for the money, if, like, the whole... Because it, it almost goes against the fact that she's... This is about rebelling against her, her family, but you're rebelling against your family by being, like, by t- doing... Taking actions that are going to make you wealthy? Like, that seems... Well, I, I don't... I don't... I don't... I think originally it was... They did it just to get some money that they needed, and then that's when Katara started being the way she was. And that made her just turn into rebellion mode. She wasn't doing it for the money. She no, was I just know, doing but it. I almost would have liked if, like, she. It was almost even more clear that it was exclusively about the scams, and like she was literally just like throw it, like throwing the money away to do more scams, just because she wanted to do the scam. Like I don't know. It's not a. It's not a big deal, but it's like the kind of it's the kind of like little nitpicks that happen in episodes that I don't love, where I'm like already not buying into the premise. So then. It just things compound on each other. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually I see what you're saying, but um, everything was done in this episode to tell the narrative they wanted to tell in this episode and in a way that's kind of what annoyed me so much is because Avatar is I think better than this. Yeah. Like they can do something like this and not slap you over the face with like going over the top on all the characters. I mean, in some ways, I think my suspension of disbelief on, like, I don't think Katara would really act like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say for Toph, though, Madam Fussy Britches is a fantastic insult. I like that one. A, I think she's had better. A, I didn't, I, th- I cringed a little. I'm giving a thumbs up on that one. Um, did, just kind of on the, on the sort of serious side for a second, I did, I did like the little training montage of Aang, like, A, seeing him, like, genuinely learning um, the earthbending, the fact that they're kind of putting Aang through, like, hard, theoretically harder training of both earthbending and waterbending at the same time, actually getting to see the, the, the masters teach was kind of nice. Um, so I, that, that, that much I liked. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it was fun. It was just, like, a fun thing to watch, too, watching how they were training and everything. Mm-hmm. came across as very fun and I definitely enjoyed it and it was like it looked mm-hmm. um so on the on the first scam I, I I have I have a question for you all right I understand that you can just say that the guy is an idiot but if you're doing the scam why would he want to target a blind girl well, why not? Because the whole point is 
you get someone who's overconfident because they can follow the things, but he's cheating by switching the pebble. Therefore, it's irrelevant. He he, he has the same end game though, no matter what, because he he he's like, oh, it's it's luck. It's, you could be blind and still be lucky. Well, no, and he still that, gave her the. First. My point being that if in his mind against a normal person he has a hundred percent chance to win against a blind person he has no advantage it's just a one in one in three chance which a sucker is, is sucker is still a sucker. good odds but i don't know i felt that like because then like the whole point is like he does even more trickery to like really try and throw somebody off but it's like she's blind she's guessing it has nothing nothing about this matters but a scam is a scam is a scam I mean, I, I guess, but I almost, it would almost make more sense, and now I'm critiquing this guy's scam. This isn't critiquing in the episode, but I'm now critiquing this guy's scam. He should have not moved the pebble with the blind girl so that everyone around went, oh no, he's not cheating at all. I can I followed that one, and the blind girl I, got it. I, I don't like how it. The pebble doesn't show up. Nobody is like, okay, where's the actual pebble then? Because every time he scams them, there's no pebble. So that, that actually No, it's not that there's no like, pebble. It's that he moves it to a one so that you're, you're following it with your eyes. But you can't. Following it with your eyes doesn't do anything because he's move it, He's tricking them by moving it from up from um, up and under the, pep, the cups. Right. So... Normally, if you follow with your eyes, you guess the correct one, but he's moved it. Therefore, your guess is your your choice based on knowing it is wrong. Toph can see it with her earth bending, so it's fine. But if you were just a, actually a blind person and Toph literally couldn't see at all, then in theory, she actually has a one in three chance, which is a better chance than a normal person. Purely guessing is worth more than following the pebble. Yeah, but he still has to take away the pebble. He never takes away the pebble. The pebble is always there. He, he tried, he, the first time he didn't because he wanted her to win. The second time he did. He tried to and then she... Uh, no, she tries to move it to a different one. No, he goes to sleeve them and then she knocks the table and pushes it back. I guess, but that... It is. I remember. I, I literally. I saw it, but I thought he was just trying to do the thing he always does, where he then shifts it over to a, no, to a he, different one. He shifts them into his sleeve, and there's no pebble left under the cost, Period. All right. Well, that's why I got annoyed because the guy who got scammed the first time, he picked it. There was no pebble. He just walked away. Crying. But if any other same person would be like, "All right, which one's the cut with the pebble?" Then, and he he tried to do the same thing. I guess. I don't know. It's one. I one hundred percent. It's that. silly. Something about this was fishy. It was silly. Yeah, um, and it was a scam. Yeah. The scam montage <laughs> itself was kind of was kind of funny. I guess I didn't really care, but yeah. But um, yeah. That's what annoyed me a little bit is that he clearly taking the pebble away, and like I would have been like, all right, cool, dude. Where's the pebble? And it never happened. All right, Corey. I'm gonna I'm gonna make your day for for once. All right. Are you are you a fan of something called wrestling? I am not. No. Go on. All right. Never mind. I'll move on. I'll say it. I might have, I may have dabbled in it. Go ahead. So 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 you, you you like wrestling nicknames, right? That's the thing that's interesting to you. Of course. So I want you to critique. What is the better 
nickname from a wrestling perspective? The Runaway or the Blind Bandit? The Blind Bandit. Because I agree. The Blind Bandit is just significantly better. Yeah, I think it's kind of a no contest. The Blind Bandit, for sure. And, and so, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Okay. That's it. Sorry. It wasn't much wrestling, but I thought I could mention wrestling in some way to make you... No, I, I, I certainly appreciated it. But, uh, yes, I, uh, I agree. The Blind Bandit is 100% the way to go. So, but, like, yeah, go on. All right. So what? So one one other little weird thing about this when they're like, "Ang, do I act motherly?" Ang doesn't know what a mom is, guys. Ang has never had one of those. Um, where I don't remember ever seeing female airbenders in. I know they, but I don't remember ever seeing them in the air nomads. Am I, is that am I wrong? They ever show female airbenders yes. in in that last air? We, I don't, never, we don't see any in the Southern Air Temple, but we see a we see Avatar Yang Chen, who's a woman, and in the last episode during Ang's birth, you see female air nomads. All right, I'm just making sure because I, honest to God, do not remember um, ever seeing. There so. are none of the monks at the Southern Air Temple are women. However, I think that you could probably make an argument that they would segregate the temples. Why do you say that? Because it seems like the monks live in a society... Actually, I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm just... That's a specu entirely speculation on my part. Um, yeah, I just re don't remember ever seeing women, and... What do they do? They, they where do they live? Where would women live? Well, and if, what I'm saying is, is, is my you could wonder: is it possible that some of the air temples are f more are the monks are men, and some of the air temple the monks are women? That doesn't make any sense. Why not? Why would that make sense? I don't know because it doesn't seem like there's that. Why, why would they need to say anything? Said because it doesn't purpose? seem like the monks marry. Huh. Um. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, we yeah. don't know. We it don't. Was... We do not know enough about Airbender culture to know. But that's the one. Like, it's the one thing that would make some degree of sense. Like, I mean. We see it. It seems it's in Korra. It's a lot different, for obvious Korra, reasons. It's a completely different. It's not the same society, so you really can't say anything. I know. I was just always confused, and I wanted to know if that was intentional or it was just by happens. If you want my honest opinion, I think that it was just they wanted the Air Temple to feel like what we think of with Tibetan monks. And we think of, like, the Dalai Lama and Tibetan monk society as, like, all of these male monks. And I think that's kind of just it. And I agree with you on that. I, I don't think there's a, a deeper explanation, which isn't a great answer to why are there no women in something. But the, the, the answers I have are that, or if you want me to give you some kind of a narrative explanation, it's there are female monks that are just not at the Southern Air Temple for various dumb religious reasons. Because, like, I, would, I was always wondering, does 
Did Aang actually maybe know his mom? You know? No. And we, and while it's not mother, we do specifically have in the first episode, or technically the second episode, the line from Zuko, which is like, you would know nothing of fathers having been raised by monks. Right. And Aang never sure. speaks, has ne never has a single line about his parents, but talks about Monk Yatso a lot. It would make sense that he wouldn't be raised by his parents. Okay. That's fair. Um, all right. So I guess the one kind of really big scene in this episode, the, the Sokka and Toph conversation with Katara uh, soaking under. I... What what did you think of that? Like, kind of taking out the sort of over the top nature of this episode, but just that conversation, kind of in an, in a, in its of itself. It was a very nice conversation. I actually liked it a lot, um, and I actually thought that was the most intelligent. It, like, they had to do all this to lead to that. I actually really much enjoyed it. And again, it's obvious what the character motivation. Like, it's very clear to me that, like, no, yeah, no crap, that's how uh, uh, Toph feels, and I, obviously Katara is the way she is because she has no choice, um, almost like the way that Sokka has to be more of, like, the man, just because of, like, the, the happenstance and circumstances, so everything there was already in your face and obvious, but the conversation was very nice and well done. I thought yeah. it was handled very I, I liked it. I mean, kind of from a pure cinematic perspective, the, the music was really good. The lighting worked really well. Um, I, I, I really liked just the way they kind of framed the Katara's animation there with her kind of sulking into the into the water and kind of covered in, in, in shadows a little bit. I, I thought that really worked. And I, I think the, the writing, especially Sokka's writing there, was, was really strong. Um, and I think that that's kind of a weird part of this episode almost because Sokka I feel like has the most powerful emotional moment with him admitting um sort of talking about his mother um something he only really other does like once another one other time in the series and talking about Katara in this way and like it's weird that an episode that's so focused on Toph and Katara almost has like the strongest character in it is Sokka is really a weird like a weird statement, and also as an aside, Aang is like fucking completely nothing in this episode. Like, as per, this really has some book one feels. If you really want to, my go my my favorite my favorite line was actually uttered by Aang, where Sokka gives the idea, putting the messenger bird to Katara, and pretending it was Toph, and then Aang is like, "Wow, Sokka, you always have a lot of great ideas." Like, like, that's your ideas continue to impress. No, they continue to impress me, and like it was just his delivery on the line. That made me literally laugh out loud. It was actually my favorite line in the show. Uh, in the episode, there, uh, Kyle, that, is a, that is an entertaining line, Reed. Um, and then, and then Aang is followed up with, how about we do it the other way? <laughs> like, it's just, I have to say, Aang was actually the funniest one in this episode. Aang was he funny, was but he was a fucking nothing. Like, he does just another, like, God, what are you doing? I know. But he, in, a, in, a, in a, arguably filler episode, does he really have so, to do anything? Yeah, that's fair. So, Katara, you know, we, we, we see the first scene again. Uh, Toph gets thrown in, in in the prison. And one, did they know she could metal bend? Because that guard says the, the cage is wood with like a, 
intonation in her voice like she knows why that's a big deal. But don't you think, don't, doesn't, like, the Fire Lord and, like, the higher-ups know that she's a metal? That information being, like, passed around? Like, hey, if there's, like, a team, like, Team Avatar, there's a metal bender okay, with... but this is, this now becomes several questions here, because this is where, for me, the episode just goes from whatever to just making utterly no sense. One, does Sparky Sparky Boom Man have, like, power? Like, can he walk in and be like, I'm declaring martial law, everyone listens to me now, evacuate the city so I can capture these guys? Uh... Because remember, according to official well, yeah, policy, was... the Avatar is dead. The Fire Lord believes the Avatar is dead. Right. So... But the... it's still from the prince, so he has law from the prince. No, no, no. So, yes, Sparky Sparky Boon Man is, is being paid by Zuko, but Zuko is doing it deliberately as a as subterfuge. He's saying, do this quietly. End uh, uh, the Avatar so that no one knows that he was ever alive in the first place. That's the whole, like, the whole point is, like, it's not like he rose the alarm of all the Fire Nation and said someone searched for the officer. He hired a silent assassin. And I don't think he ever speaks, right? Does he ever say anything in this show? No. So a theoretically a silent assassin to kill Aang so that that never comes out. And that's the whole point. So it's not like this guy is some like arm of the Fire Nation government. Like he's just some random assassin. And yet... But if you're... Alright, fine. Let's say you're the, the mayor of that village yeah. and some giant guy that can make explosions if his head comes in. I'm sure he didn't talk, but I would, I'd probably evacuate. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess, but I, I, I feel like feel like that would raise some some red flags. But again, like the no, it, it, it didn't make my sense. point being if that you just said like oh they they they've told people if you capture this teenager, don't put her in metal because she can metal bend. Doesn't that imply that they're still looking for Team Avatar? Yep. Which they shouldn't be because they think he's dead. Yep. This, this, this just makes no fucking sense. Like, I'm sorry. It just, I, I, I've been like, I've been racking my brain since I watched this episode again, trying to be like, how would this possibly make sense? And it's just like, no, it just doesn't. I think you're thinking too hard about it. Well, that's we we've never done that before, have we? No, but in this circumstance, it's I'm not, I'm not gonna say bad writing, but it's. <laughs> it's just there to tell what they wanted to tell. I don't think they even thought about it. Um, I, I'm just I'm just looking through some of the things you some of the things you write. Did, uh, I'm I'm saying you don't like the the number of blind jokes in this episode. No, they didn't go they didn't go past three, and all three of them stuck for me. But they went for four. Okay. But the, like, the, the the final one actually did it for me. Like the the one I think it was the final what Aang said like. Hey, let's let's have um let's do it with reverse with her and like then you know Saka says no it wouldn't work it was like it was really funny I have to say that was, that was funny the the Saka um the whole paper thing twice was a little like we we get it she's she's blind she can't read yeah um, it, but um so 
we've been we've been a little on the you know negative e side. We've been making fun of this episode a little bit, but I want to say something truly positive for a second, and, and in a serious, on a very serious note. One of the things that I have said many times might be the biggest strength of this show is their ability to subtly slip in foreshadowing and reminders without seeming overt about it and crazy. I I said this back in The Fortune Teller that I love the opening of that episode because of the fact that they remind us about Katar losing her necklace as it's built as just a little shipping moment of Aang and Katara, but it also is that subtle reminder. So next week when we get to Bato of the Water Tribe and it's imperative that we know that Katara has lost her necklace, we've been thinking about it. So I love this moment here because we're about to go into the Puppet Master, which is an episode all about the intricacies of water bending and how you can find water in different places and there is water in the human body. And to have a moment in this this episode with the sweat bending, with Katara make, you know, making her water via sweat, is such a great use of of this kind of kind of throwaway situation. Like it doesn't necess- it didn't necessarily need to be sweat bending. Like for example, the idea that she like Toph could have just had that uh, necklace that she was wearing and bended that and got them out or. Aang could have, but like there could have been a million ways for them to get them out. The sweat was not 100% necessary. But the fact that they used that as a way to sort of slip it into this episode so that Katara, we were kind of primed to think about, oh, yeah, wow, you could generate your own water by pulling water out of the human body by sweating. And what would happen if you tried to bend that water while it was still in your human body? What would happen? And then we immediately will get that answer next week. I think that is like, for all of the things that makes this show amazing, and there are so many that we talk about all the time, I think this skill might be one of my favorites. And the one thing that I just don't think I see anywhere else on television for like how well well done, subtle, and, and, and like perfect it is. Yeah, I agree completely. But to answer one of my, I want you to answer one of my questions that I put in my notes. Do you think... Um, if bending was real, and I guess you could say this is unquote real life, that would have worked. What? What she did. As somebody who sweats just unbelievably. No, but like making it sharp like that, bending it to where it's able to cut wood that quick, like you could just instantly go boom, 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 like that. I don't think it would have either worked at that Do you know what a water saw is? Yep. Of course I do, but I feel like that, that should be advanced bend. Well, also, you could make an argument she just turn it into ice. You didn't. Are you sure? Yes, I just rewatched the episode. It was just, as you said, a water song. That makes sense to me, but I think that should be advanced bending then. Because I mean, you never see her use water bending and it like, slices their face. Um, are, we sh- are you sure? Because it is only wood. I am 100% sure it wasn't ice. I it was no, no, are you sure that she never uses the water like that again? i just never seen her bend water to where it slices slices someone's face, if that makes any sense. Someone's fate? Well, we've never seen anyone slice Or, or like, you know, she's like, if she's using... I'm just, obviously, you would assume that she water bends and she's using it as a weapon against an opponent, it would make them have cuts after. 
you know, but never, never. Well, she uses a whip for quite a bit, and that also doesn't cause the welting that it should. I guess. It's just... I mean, look, I, but, you, but your argument being that they don't really show blood in this show. Like, they, it does happen, but it's rare. Like, I just think something like the, the ability to bend water into the perfect way that makes it into a blade, a weapon, should be advanced But I think bending. you can make... I, remember, I think, A, it is a lot easier to cut wood than it is to cut um, a lot of things. Like, like, you know, like someone's skin, something like that. Not that it's easier to cut water than skin, but that you don't have to, you can you can do that kind of motion and just kind of, it doesn't have to be as much of a, like a, it doesn't have to be a clean slice. I mean, I, I guess it kind of was in the episode, but like the idea that you can cause the water to cut, sort of blast through or cut through the thing, I, I don't think it's, I don't think they're making that much out of it. No, no, no. Uh, and again, I also credit a lot to just, you know, doing what they need to do to get them out of prison. And it was obviously clever, as you said, foreshadowing. It's just, I was just always thinking, like, in real life, if bending existed, this was a way she really needed to get out of, like, a wood, would it work? I mean, or at well, speed. you can also make an argument that blend bending probably shouldn't actually work. Why not? Because while it is true that the human body is that, is is a lot of water the way that it's portrayed of like move it like i i don't know it seems it seems like it would be hard to bend particular muscles and not it bend is. the skin but then you can't really bend the bone i don't know i see your point but also another my example argument. of like and this is in core but like the that the air pulling the air out of someone's body would be so much more gruesome and like cause them to cough up mountains of blood. But I, I love blood bending because it's portrayed almost like the force, almost like Vader doing a force. It's like it's just like you're able to like literally like cause muscle spasms in their body. Like I think it looks so much like a dark side yeah. ability. If that makes any sense no, I mean, to you, look, and I think that's, what I'm saying is I they have some degree of artistic license and they are allowed to design their fantasy world as they want. I mean, the bodies in this world, you said it in your notes, I mean, I didn't really, we didn't really talk about it, but like Katara gets hit in the stomach with a boulder. Like she should be way more hurt than she is. But you know, at the end of the day, we're, I'm a willing to suspend my disbelief on that. Right. Right. Um, um. so another one, can we uh, oh, wait, can your we, second wait, your second wrestling naming uh, conversation? Sparky, Sparky, Boom Man or Combustion Man? For memes, Sparky, Sparky. It's gotta be Sparky, Sparky, Boom Man. Only for memes. That's fine, but why else would you name someone? Isn't the whole point right. of wrestling names the memes? Yeah, but you also need to roll off the tongue. You. you... You have announcers when they're announcing a match, be like, Sparky, Sparky, Boom Man, at the end of the time. It's a, it, it, you need I don't know, but if it's not going to be that, Combustion Man just seems a little too blah. For a cartoon and meme, you're 100% right, but for pro wrestling, Look, you need something Look, is it as good that. as The Boulder? No. No, that's the best wrestling name in Avatar. But, you know. Um... The other funniest line for me was, like, 
it was like, I would pay you, but I guess doing the right thing is your own reward. Or no, it was like, that's the South Park line, but it's like, he waited to give her the reward and they were standing there awkwardly, and she's like, yeah, I'll take the award still. <laughs> that wasn't really funny. Yeah, and that's that, that the is true. Um, Alright, I don't have much else to say. Do you have anything else to say about this episode? Uh, Alright, so I guess with that, we'll go into our final thoughts and our ratings. You know, we haven't been going that long, but go ahead, start with your final thoughts. It was television that happened. It was good. It wasn't Avatar's best. It's not an episode I would rush to show a newbie. I think it was a nice fresh air from last week's heavy episode. Um, I think... At the end, the ends justify the means for, like, taking every character up to 11. Um, I thought it had a very charming ending. A very, very charming ending if you count the actual truth. Her asking if you can help me write a letter to my parents. I thought that was a really oh, great... Oh, oh sorry, sorry. One, before you do, one thing I want to say. I'm very happy that they basically ended on that bumper with, can you write the letter to my family? And even, yeah, you had the one little Sokka buy a hockey line, but I liked that it, like, basically just ended there and there wasn't some extra superfluous dumb scene. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought and it was a very charming episode. Uh, or, not charming episode, a charming way to end the episode. So I give that one a plus. Um, so overall, this is 5.5. It was very funny, but it was very painfully average, nothing remarkable, and I forgot about a lot of this episode. Just that, you know, attrition. I will probably forget about it in a few weeks, too, again. Yeah. Uh, to me, this feels this feels like a five. This feels like this is pretty average television, which for Avatar is pretty bad. But, you know, it, it, it just, you know, it's funny. It, 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 it exists. It's, you know, there's nothing offensive about it. Even the fact that Sparky Sparky Boom Man makes no sense is whatever. It is what it is. But I really do like the conversation with uh, with Sokka and Toph and, and and just that scene in general. So basically, I'll, I, that scene I think is worth a point. So I'll give this a six out of ten. You know, it's in the good range. Definitely nothing nothing special, nothing to write home about. But you know, one good scene, nothing really offensive, just kind of average. Sounds about where I would put it. So yes, with that, thank you guys uh, for tuning in. We will be back with probably the darkest episode in the history of this show next week with uh, Puppet Master. Yeah. Um, so look forward to that and uh, speeding along into uh, an invasion that might be coming soon. Well, thanks, Corey, for being on. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in.